0: As I was preparing this sermon, I listened to a talk that Nick Saban gave to his players. Now, if you know anything about football at all, you know Nick Saban. He's the head coach of the University of Alabama's football team, one of the most successful football teams in history. And you can imagine that they have some extremely talented and, I dare say, arrogant, full-of-themselves players on this team. And so this particular video that I watched, he walked into a gym area where all the players were gathered. It there was just all this talking and chattering and chirping going on. And he just takes the mic and he... Uh, he just looks at all of them, and he says, listen. And they did just like you guys did. Because he has a kind of authority about it. He says, God gave you two ears and one mouth so that you can listen twice as much as you talk. That's important for a group of proud, young, immature, talented Football players. It's important for them to hear that. That's important for a group of young and old, not particularly athletically talented group of people that I'm looking at this morning. God gave us, have you ever thought about that? He gave us two ears, one mouth, so that you could listen twice as much as you talk. And I'm convinced, and this is why I wanted to end this sermon series this way, I'm convinced that some of our trouble with talk would be helped just by being better listeners. And James agrees with me. Open your Bibles to James chapter 1. James is featured prominently in this series, hasn't he? James chapter 1, verse 19. Just one verse and the points that I make are going to come right from the verse. This is what he says early on in his letter to the 12 tribes in the dispersion. This is the word of the Lord, inspired by God, written by James to a particular group of people, to the church, and God addressing us from his holy word. Know this, my beloved brothers, Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Lord, I pray that you would open the two ears that most of us have to listen to your word. For the fame of Jesus. Amen. Now, use, James is using a technique here. He's using Hebrew parallelism, and he is he is putting into focus for all of us our triple duty, if you will, our triple duty in our relationship with God and our relationship. To others, I call it a triple duty because he tells us three things. We should be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. I mean, it's really pretty simple, right? I mean, should I just go sit down? I mean, that's God's holy word, and he says that we should be I mean, it's not rocket science, right? He's quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Some translations actually translate it this way. Um, Take note of this, brothers. This, so he used his uh, a Hebrew uh, parallel structure to kind of highlight things. He was bolding this. He was using a highlighter, So, you might take a highlighter, you might write this down. This is what God's word says to you. Let every one of us be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. So, application. It's not hard, guys. Am I quick to listen? Am I slow to speak? Am I slow to anger? Many of us are not good at listening, and we know it. Many of us are not good at listening, and we don't know it. God wants to help us both. I, my friends who who know me, uh, you don't become a preacher unless you like talking, so you know, you know where I have trouble, right? I was, in a, I was in a meeting recently with someone, and they were doing a presentation. And, uh, and, and I actually wasn't going to say anything. Like, I didn't have anything prepared to say. Or I wasn't, like, I, I hadn't, there were thoughts in my mind, but I did, wasn't going to let them out. But uh, I moved. Like, they were doing a presentation, and I moved my hand. And when I moved my hand, they said, let me just just finish. And I thought, wow, I have interrupted this person so much that even when I didn't intend to interrupt them, I was just moving my hand, they had to say, "Let let let me just finish my thought. Many of us are not good at listening, and we know it. Many of us are not good at listening. We don't know it. All of us, according to God's word, are supposed to be good listeners. And, and we know it. We know that we should be better at listening. So what we do is we get really good at looking like we're listening, even when we're not really listening. I read this guy, Jeff Robinson, he put down, he made some points about this. He called. Uh, he called. Learning how to do this, uh, and this is sad, but this is true for all of us. Um, impatient listening. Do you know what that listening is like? It's like you're listening, but it's almost like it's 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 killing you to do so. You know, you're listening, but you're listening just with. If you pause for one second, I will take this conversation. <laughs> impatient listening, right? How about better opportunity listening? That's when you're in a crowd of people and you're talking to someone, but you keep looking over their shoulder at a better opportunity that might present itself, a conversation that might be a little more interesting to you. And so you're looking, you're not really listening to them, you're looking for another opportunity to go listen to somebody else. Or how about debate listening? (laughs) that's when you're forming, you're not listening because you're too busy forming your response to how I'm going to, I've got a rebuttal ready as soon as you let me. And then there's something I, uh, I would call in Jeff, uh, Jeff Robinson called polite listening. It's like you do all the right things, but you're not listening at all. He used an example of how he regularly would meet someone in his, his uh, church that they would have the same conversation over and over again. And he always, at the end of the conversation, the guy called him Jim. His name's Jeff. But he was really polite. He's like, Jim, it's so good to see you. And and how's your wife doing? And he always got her name wrong. So he was polite. He was like really polite doing it. But he wasn't, right? He wasn't really listening. Not listening is... To not, we talked about this last week, not listening equals not loving others. That, that, that's what it is. The Bible calls us to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. And so when we're not listening, when, we're, when we even look like we're listening, but we're not really listening, we're not loving people. We're not others-centered. Listening is others-centered. True listening is... is, is, is Posturing myself that what you say in this moment is really important to me. Not listening equals not loving others, our neighbors. And scripture, over and over again, attaches a label, uh, an adjective to describe the person who listens. It's the wise person who listens. Proverbs does this, speaks of this over and over again. Listen to these verses. Write these down and look at them later in your devotions. Proverbs 18, 2. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. That one hit a little too close to home, right? Proverbs eighteen thirteen: If one gives an answer before he hears it is his folly and his shame proverbs 29:20 20. do you see a man who is quick to share his words there's more hope for a fool words are vital for us, And we, we talked about this at the beginning of the series. Words are vital because God has spoken to us through words. So words are important. But when we think about God's word to us, when we read it, when we are, are in our devotional times, when we're sitting and listening to preaching, what are we doing as it relates to God's word? Or what should we be doing as it relates to God's word? We're listening. Even though we read it with our eyes, we're listening with our hearts. God wants talkers. He does. But I agree with David Pallison, who said, but even more than that, he wants listeners. He wants wants us to listen with our whole heart, especially to his word. We grow by listening, not so much by talking. So we should be good listeners. Let me give you just a few tips. I'm going to try to move through these quickly so I can get to my last point. Tips for becoming a better listener. When these are not like... All that complicated. Number one, listen before you answer. Listen before you answer. That sounds so simplistic, like, did I have to get out of bed to hear him say that? Like, that seems really simple. But how many of us don't actually listen before we've prepared our response? Or not even prepared a response. Just speak out a response. I remember I, I remember this often, this one time, and it certainly wasn't the only conflict Amy and I have ever had, but I remember uh, one particular conflict where I had said my piece, and then I gave her an opportunity to share her perspective. And as soon as she opened her mouth, I said, hold on, hold on. Before you speak, I just have a question. I want to know... Like, there's a percentage of wrong in the conflict we're experiencing right now. And I want to know, I have in my mind what percentage is mine fault and what percentage is yours. And before you share anything else, I want to know what percentage of this conflict you think is your fault and what percentage you think is my fault. This was her response. Are you for real? (laughs) Listen before you answer. You get to the root of things oftentimes through listening and sometimes just at that point where you you really feel like, okay, now's my point to, to speak. Listen even longer because sometimes, especially in conflict, you'll get to the root of the conflict. If you just listen long enough, God sometimes opens our eyes to help us see what we otherwise wouldn't see if we're constantly interrupting. Listen before you answer. Number two, beware of mental fog. Beware of mental fog. The human mind can think four times faster than the person, than, than we speak. So the mind is cranking fast. So when someone else is speaking, your mind is operating four times faster then the words, they can get out. So what happens here when we're listening is we start churning in our mind. I've got a quick response. I've got something I want to say. So we've got to restrain that and not allow ourselves to kind of get into a mental fog while someone else is speaking. Number three, put your phone somewhere else. Put your phone somewhere else. Notice I didn't even say turn your phone off. Notice I didn't say turn your notifications off. I said put it away. There's been studies done on this. They've, they've measured people's retention through lectures by, by giving pe- putting people in three categories. One person could not bring their phone into the room with them. That was one group of people. The other group of people could could just treat their phone however they wanted. The other group of people were told to turn it off and turn it upside down. Now, here's what's interesting. The only people that listened better were the people in the first category who didn't have it with them. The people who didn't do anything, just left it just like that and left their notifications on. And the people who turned it off and turned the notifications off but put it in front of them, got the same score as just leaving it on. Their retention rate was the same. And what they learned was, is if it's in front of you, you're dying to know what's happening. I wonder who. I wonder what's happening in the world right now. But something happens when you put this thing over here. It's like, it's, it's out of mind, and I can actually listen to you. Hold on, I can't preach without my phone. Now, just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Fourth tip, watch your body language. Watch your body language. So, you have to pay, so it's kind of hard to watch your body language when you're in a conversation with someone else. But you know, maybe you could ask other people sometimes. You get done in the conversation and ask them, what was my body language like while I was listening to you? Have you ever been in a conversation with someone who is bored? That's not fun, right? Should I try to liven this up a little bit? I mean, sorry for taking your time. Or somebody who is angry at what you're saying and they just can't restrain themselves. Their lips get real tight, start twitching, get real red-faced, clenched fists. That's not helpful when you're trying to have a conversation. And you might say, I didn't say anything. Well, no, you didn't have to. I'm picking up the vibe here. It's not good listening when when we do things that way. Five. Another tip for being a better listener. Repeat back what you hear. Repeat back what you hear people saying. Now, my wife, Amy, is really good at this, and Isaac is uh, one of the pastors and in my fight club, and he's really good at this. Um, This is what Amy and Isaac regularly do to me. I will share something, and then they'll say, I hear you saying They do it so much that sometimes it irritates me because I feel like they're trying to trip me up or catch me up. (laughs) But what they're doing is actually helpful. I will share something and they'll say, I hear you saying this. Is that actually what you're saying? And I'll say, no, 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 that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, and then it gives me an opportunity to clarify what I really mean. It's a helpful listening technique. Try it sometimes. When you're talking to someone, say, hey, I hear you saying And then they can say, yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. Or they can say, no, that's not what I'm saying at all. And then you can have a better conversation because you've clarified it. Sixth tip for becoming a better listener, listen as an act of being fully present. Listen as an act of being fully present. What I mean by that is sometimes a conversation only necessitates that you sit and listen. You don't have to say anything. My dad is in, has stage four cancer now, and he's, he's suffering. You know, and I'm the oldest of five boys, and, and so I go into problem-solving mode. My dad starts to share something that's painful or, or discouraging, and, and I start you know, telling him, well, let's think about it this way, or, you know, don't complain, like, let's just tough it out, you know, And, 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 and sometimes what my dad needs is an opportunity to share how painful this is, how discouraging this is, how weighty this is, and all he needs me to do is say, Dad, I'm really sorry that you're having to endure this. So sometimes listening is just being fully present. Quick to listen is what James says. I doubt any of us will get to the end of our lives and say, I wish I'd have only talked more. <laughs> But I'll bet you a few of us could get to the end of our lives and say, I wish I'd have listened a little more. Quick to listen, folks. That's, that's the word. I'm going to combine the last two because J. Russ did such an excellent job on preaching on anger. But the, the, the second point that I want to make, combining, is James told us that we should be quick to hear and that we should be slow to speak slow to anger. The reason why I believe James speaks so clearly that we should be quick to listen and slow to speak is because we, as it's human nature, in our sinful human nature, we move so quickly to jump to conclusions. We quickly jump to judgments. We quickly jump to saying the first thing that comes to our minds. We quickly jump to offering advice. And what James is doing is telling us, the Word of God is instructing us that we need to stop quickly jumping. To these things and that we should be slower to speak. Slow, being slow to speak is an ongoing command of the Holy Spirit to us 24-7. He connects anger to this. He says, be slow to anger. The bottom line is this regarding anger. An angry spirit is never a listening spirit. An angry spirit is never a humble, teachable spirit. And so he's linking being slow to anger with being slow to speak. I have marveled over how slow to speak Jesus is. I'll read some passages of Scripture that highlight this truth. Isaiah 53, verse 7. This is a description of the servant of the Lord. We know it to be a description of our dear Savior, Jesus. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. Matthew 26. that these men testify against you. But Jesus remained silent. Now, I struggle sometimes with the silence of Jesus. How different would my response be? How different is our... Listen, think about how we how Jesus respond to his trial and his crucifixion from our ordinary human nature. Even when we've done wrong, even when, even when you have actually done wrong and you know it, we are quick to speak, quick to defend ourselves, quick to make excuses, quick to blame shift Am I alone in this or is this true? I've witnessed this, I've observed this in humanity. That even when even when we're wrong, we're quick to speak. Jesus is being framed and he's slow to speak, even silent. We know that there was a bunch of mock trials that took place. Pilate had him beaten. Remember, he he sends him out and he has Jesus scourged. He has him beaten to within where we couldn't even recognize him. He's beaten so badly. And then someone, one of the Jewish leaders says, well, this is because he claimed to be the son of God. And Pilate gets really scared at that. Son of God, this guy's God? So he runs over to to Jesus and says, after having him beaten, Who are you? Who are you? And the Bible tells us Jesus gave him no answer. Why did Jesus remain silent? I like a hero in a situation or circumstance like this to stand up for themselves. Why does Jesus remain silent? Go back to Isaiah 53. This is why. Here's the answer. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced our transgressions he was crushed for our iniquities upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace and with his wounds we are healed all we like sheep have gone astray we have turned every one to his own way and the lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all verse 10 yet it was the will of the lord to crush him He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. When Jesus took our sin, he took all the punishment that goes with it. And some of the punishment that he endured was our shame. If Jesus had defended himself and protested his innocence, he would have suffered no shame, which would have left us guilty. Jesus could not prove himself innocent and then die in our place the shameful death that we deserve. Thank God for the silence of the land. Thank God that Jesus was willing to be counted a sinner before God so that we might be counted righteous before God. If Jesus had risen to defend himself, I'm certain of this if he had risen to defend himself, there is no high court, there is no legal authority, there is no no lawyer, there is no judge, there is no earthly power that could have stood against the defense that he would have brought for his innocence. If Jesus had defended himself Church, he would have won and we would have lost and we would be lost eternally. Thank God for the silence of our Savior Jesus. What a model for being quick to listen and slow to speak. Here's the reality. We often live the reverse of what James is saying. James says, be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Most of us often live in the reverse. We live slow to listen, quick to speak, quick to become angry. Have you ever, have you ever reached, or have you reached a sticking point in your spiritual life? you just feel like I'm kind of stuck. I'm not moving forward. Maybe it's because you're hung up on one of your three duties. One of your three duties being to be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. Let's take our cues from Jesus. Let's take our cues from our Savior. No one more quick to listen than Jesus You never have to snap your fingers to get Jesus' attention. You listening to me? You never catch him looking off, bored with you. You never have to repeat yourself with Jesus to make sure he heard what you really said. Jesus never interrupts you. He never speaks. Spins out what you said. There is no one who listens so attentively, so respectfully, and so compassionately as Jesus listens to you. That's the gospel culture. That's the kind of people that God is calling us to be. People that are quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger, let's give others, let's give our friends, let's give our spouses, let's give our children, let's give the people in our missional community a gift, the gift of being really heard. Amen? Let's pray.